today on CityCast Salt Lake. The ski resorts are closing, which means many Salt Lakers will soon be making the transition from snow mountain guides to river mountain guides. And for seasonal workers on the river, the culture of whitewater rafting is famously jovial, but can also be really sexist. Our guest today, Dr. Maria Blevins, is an associate professor at Utah Valley University and a former raft guide who has been researching sexual harassment in the whitewater rafting industry. She's here today to share some of her specific findings and recommendations for improvement. It's Monday, April 18th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Maria, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. Happy almost the start of river season to you. I'm curious how you got involved with this research. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to take on this project? Yeah, so I'm currently a professor of organizational environmental communication, but before I was an academic, I was a whitewater rafting guide for 12 years, and I guided on daily stretches and multi-day stretches throughout the U.S., um, it was, it's an industry that I love. It's an activity that I love. I still identify as a boater and me and my friends still put in for, for permits every year. Being on the river is a big part of who I am and, and the group that I love. In 2015, a group of national park employees uh, wrote a letter to then Secretary of the Interior, Sally Jewell, and they outlined years of harassment and assault by the river rangers in Grand Canyon National Park. And this started a conversation in the boating community about what is what is the culture. And for me personally, I thought it was really interesting because I had been a raft guide for so many years. And I also study organizations and I had not put together how sort of strange and what could fly in this organizational culture of, of guiding. That mm-hmm. got me curious. So I started an ethnographic research project where I interviewed raft guides about how we negotiate gender in that pretty masculine space. People outlined that, uh, you know, there was a lot of joking. River guides are sort of famous for being these jovial, jesting folks. And yeah. I think that that is um, something that happens for anyone in the service industry, that you need to be fun and yep. help people really enjoy their vacation. Yeah, life of the party. The number one report is that those jokes can easily slip into like a, a little more naughty to all the way offensive. And what I found was interesting is that people reported that it's like not necessarily the joking that's the problem, but it's the pervasiveness. It is the every day. It is the constant that then creates an environment through joking where boundaries can be tested and tested Mm -hmm. and tested. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really hard to be the person to say, Hey, stop. I don't like this very much. So Mm -hmm. one example that I thought was interesting that came up in my research is there was a company game for a season where people would say good game and slap each other on the bottom. Mm. And folks that I interviewed said it was fun and I didn't mind it, but one day it just wasn't fun anymore. And I had no ability to say, stop. I don't like this. So again, going to that idea of consent. And then I had stories that very heartbreakingly went all the way to, to assault. Um, I was surprised that almost every person I talked to identified as a woman um, had a story of a man sneaking into their tent or um, sleeping to slipping into sleep next to them um, in the in the middle of the night and that really had me again in the I didn't recognize what was happening I had at least two situations in my career where someone 
came into where I was sleeping, whether that be a tent, the back of my truck, a, a school bus, but you, you don't have any privacy that's granted to you out in on a river trip because you're often in these small living conditions or, um, you know, peeing outside or using a groover, which is um, the mechanism that you can sort of take your human waste with you down the river. Mm. It's, it's the privacy is a thing that we give each other as a gift. And mm. um, so many women had stories where that privacy was violated. These stories that you're sharing are got shitty experiences in any working environment, but being out on the river is a really unique working environment. And I can see how it would be um, maybe like a, lo- a lonelier experience, right? How does right. the, what is the relationship between this behavior and like the working conditions? Yeah. I mean, there are quite a few. So it is a unique set of working conditions in that it's really long hours. That line between home and work is really blurry. So if yeah. you work at an outfitter with day trips, often people sort of live in these camps where mm-hmm. they all live together. Um, if you are on multi-day river trips, you are literally waking up, making breakfast, working all day together, entertaining each other, falling mm-hmm. asleep within four feet of each other, waking up and doing it again. So mm-hmm. um, the amount of time you're spending with each other, um, alcohol is sort of a really accepted part of the job. So on those day trips, often there's special state laws where people can uh, drink beer back from the river. And then there's maybe a bar back at site or, Mm -hmm. you know, cocktail hour on the multi-day trips happens as soon as you land at beach. So that's pretty unique. Um, and then, you know, those systems that we count on that I think sometimes work, sometimes don't, uh, reporting to HR or reporting to title Mm nine, who do you report to when you are at the bottom of a Canyon? Um, who do you go to, particularly if it's your trip leader, who's the issue, Mm-hmm. Um, and then another complicated part is it's not always your coworkers that are doing the crummy material. It's often or sometimes the customers. And so if you are working to earn a tip, if you are um, trying to prove yourself as a guide and be respected in the company, um, and it is not 100% made clear that the company is going to support you if someone treats you crummily, that power dynamic between the customers and the guides is really tricky. I want to talk about the customers. What role do they play in this experience? That's such a great question. I have not um, talked to any customers um, about their experience. The research that I've done thus far really looked at the at what it's like to work in the industry. And so I will say that from my data, one of the most interesting things, I had not anticipated the customers coming up as hmm. part of the complications of the job. Uh, as much as it did. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is my guess is that um, coming rafting is an interesting thing to do because you're nervous, right? And um, yeah. you're doing this activity that is not um, familiar to you. It, it feels and it is in reality dangerous. And so I really wonder if um, if and when I think it's happening, the rafting industry sort of changes and uh, and makes itself more inviting to women, makes itself more inviting to folks that aren't traditionally represented on the river. 
think they're going to have a lot more customers and I think everyone will have a lot more fun. But I think we have this really specific idea of who gets to be on the river now and what that body looks like. Mm. Um, I will also say something that surprised me that isn't harassment, but just fits as sexism is how many of the customers showed up and were very disappointed when their raft guide was a female. Uh. And the most horrifying of those stories was um, a person that I interviewed and she was taking a troop of Girl Scouts down the river. And as she was, you know, orienting to the boat and telling them how to paddle, the leaders were like, whisper, whisper, whispering. And when she asked them what was happening, they were, the leaders were like, we do not want a female raft guide. And it's like the Girl Scouts, it's like an organization that's supposed to be empowering young women to be. Yeah. So that story was pretty wild. But almost every female raft guide that I talked to had a story of a customer refusing to go down the river with them, even though they were the most senior guide. And I don't think people are inherently terrible. So I was sort of curious about why that might be. And I looked at um, 30 websites for raft companies all over the country and saw that, I mean, in, in, on the websites, the pictures are of men getting sort of the big hits, running mm. the big rapids, and the women are at lunch hula hooping or serving lunch or they're on, you know, a paddleboard and a bikini. And so one mm. thing I would encourage is are the companies preparing people for what their rap guides look like? It's so interesting because for me personally, as like a woman, when I am participating in like any sort of outdoor activity or like learning a new outdoor activity, I am like on my knees thankful if the the guide comes out and it's a woman. I'm like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like that just like for me creates such a more comfortable space. Um, and so it's interesting that that would be the reaction of some people, but here we are. Um, I know. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons, Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Um, I'm curious how we reform some of these issues that you've pointed to, ranging from sexism to harassment. You, you spoke of like, okay, there are things we can do just in terms of like reforming what our websites and our welcome landing pages look like and setting expectations for clients. In terms of the experience of being a guide, what recommendations do you have? I really love that question. And I would say that the events of 2015 really got the industry talking about this. And I think some changes have already started happening since I started doing my research. I see real commitments um, from companies and government organizations to make this space safer and more inclusive. I'm part of a group called ADASH that is um, working to, to train folks on a few things. So I think 
if I talked before about consent and this Mm -hmm. idea that uh, I am in no way saying that we have to stop telling dirty jokes or that we um, have to stop having fun. I think um, a lot of the joking on the river community is really great. But if we could have conversations about how if someone asks you to not joke about that anymore, or if someone asks you to stop, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're terrible. It just means they're not feeling that at that moment. And so Mm -hmm. all of us having the ability to take some feedback that this doesn't feel good at this moment and not have that make us feel like we're a terrible person. Just because you've told one off color joke doesn't mean that you're a horrible person, but being open to listening and allowing for a space where people can express what their needs are. Another thing is just keeping an eye out for each other. And I really believe the river community is a great place to start because we're mm-hmm. really good at taking care of each other's physical bodies. Mm-hmm. We are watching each other come through rapids and making sure we're safe. We're sending throw ropes to each other. And um, if we're in trouble, we're helping each other out with our physical bodies. So mm-hmm. let's do that with our emotional selves. Let's do that off the river as well. So many of my stories that people told, there were there were individuals right there and, you know, no one stepped in and no one said anything. And I think Mm -hmm. when you are in a place where the culture is anything goes, we're the fun, crazy folks, it can be hard to be the one to say like, Hey, is that fun for them? Or should this stop? So, you know, really um, figuring out some interventions and stepping in when you see someone else uh, in an uncomfortable situation And then I would say the third is um, to practice one-liners, right? That uh, how often are you thinking about something or how often does something happen and you continue to dwell on it? And two days later, you have the perfect response. So Mm -hmm. I feel like these situations of encountering sexism or even that light harassment of of jokes, um, if you can sort of practice a few things you might say back, like even just a dead stare and be like, could you explain what's funny about that to me? Or, (laughs) uh, you know, would you say that to me if I was a dude? So I think just having some responses in your pocket um, would be great. What has the reaction been from guides to your trainings? Like, are people relieved by that? Like this conversation is happening or are they made nervous by it? The reaction is really positive. I will say the first reaction that breaks my heart is that a lot of female guides will come up to me and say, oh my gosh, you are describing my situation exactly. And like, can Mm. I tell you my story? This is the first research project I've ever done where people have called me and said, you talk to my friend, could I tell you my story as well? So people are ready to start talking about this and start listening to this. Um, I would say that people are enthusiastically ready to change other than that small group. That's not right. So we do get the the pushback. The thing you hear most is, well, you know, folks just want to make this place not fun anymore. Or, you know, Mm. what's great about the river community is how, how anything flies. But I think that that group is getting um, smaller and smaller. And I also have seen that when um, one of the voices comes up and says, this isn't a problem, the rest of the community comes back and says, It might not be for you, but it is for so many folks and we're here to protect each other. So Mm -hmm. I am really optimistic about um, the steps that outfitters are taking. American Outdoors is a conference that a lot of river outfitters meet at. 
together to share ideas. And I would say that the majority of the speakers this year were on diversity issues, about inclusion issues, and on harassment issues. Most of the industry understands that it is time for a change. Is there anything else I should ask you about this? What a fun time for the outdoors to be more fun for more people. From everyone that I know that works either as like a seasonal worker in the outdoor space, like that is the new goal. And the resistance to that, like you said, is starting to wane because, you know, we all do well when we all do well. It's way more fun for everyone if we all get to be a little gentler and be ourselves and and take feedback, take feedback. Yes. <laughs> Maria, thank you so much for your research in this space and the work that you're doing to make it safer and more fun for everyone. See you on the water. A little more river news before we go. Utah's own Audrey Wilson is headed to Norway to represent team USA in the fly casting world championships this summer. Audrey is currently one of the only female fly casting instructors in our state. Fly fishing, of course, is a pretty male-dominated sport. But for women who want to give it a try, I do have some recommendations. At Western Rivers Fly Fisher on 9th South and 1100 East, an area I believe has been renamed The Whale, they have an entire women and femme fly fishing program that includes women-only 101 classes as well as more advanced clinics or casting lessons, This summer, they're doing three women's intro to fly fishing classes, and you can find more details at westernriversflyfishing.com. Another option, hop on over to Utah Women Fly Fishers on Instagram or Facebook. They organize everything from women's casting nights at Sugar House Park to gear swaps, another great, comfortable space to learn or practice. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Maria, do I call you Dr. Blevins? I mean, you absolutely can. And you can also call me Maria. Okay. (laughs) Um, I appreciate it. Sometimes I can't even remember that I'm Dr. Blevins.